0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fire to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus performance line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.
1: It's 3rd and Central Podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Live from the burn, Here's your host. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Third and Central Podcast, the only podcast dedicated solely to the University of Louisville baseball program. This is your host, joined by our co host, Aaron Turner. Aaron, there's a lot of exciting things going on right now. World Baseball Classic, Louisville's 18 and 2 heading to South Bend this weekend for the first true road game of the series or of the season. But before we jump into all that, how's everything everything going out your way? I'm doing great. I think I finally thawed out from the weekend in Louisville. Uh, <laughs> but overall, we're doing great. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. It's a little chilly weekend against Georgia Tech, and we'll, we'll jump into that here in just a little bit. I know last time we got together, we were talking about the big weekend Louisville had down in Houston and the – Shriners College Classic and haven't really slowed down much since then. Before we jump into the the team and kind of where we are right now, I know last time we teased a little bit about a merchandise deal we had with Greg Ferrone, who most of you have become accustomed to, the early season success that he's seen after transferring from Juco Ball. That is now live. We have reached a deal with Greg, and he's got some merchandise over at T-Shirt Hooligan. Got a couple pretty sweet – Logos out there for Greg. I think we've got another one that may drop before the end of the year. We're kind of tweaking with that one a little bit. But super excited for Greg. I know he's pumped about this. So if you all get a chance, hop over to T-Shirt Hooligan. They're on Twitter. Alan Thomas, he did a phenomenal job putting some designs together. So if you can, hop over, support Greg, and, um, you know, throw him throw him a couple bones. These college kids need it. So the team right now, 18-2. and two after beating Western on Tuesday night, 2-1 and in the ACC after taking two from Georgia Tech over the weekend. Currently where they sit after beating Western, Louisville is all over the place in the rankings, anywhere from two to six. I know we have six polls. College Collegiate Baseball Newspaper has them at second. Baseball America at third. College Baseball Nation at fourth. D1 Baseball, perfect game. And USA Today, coaches poll, I'll have them currently in sixth. After Western Louisville jumped up to 46 in the RPI and 157 in the strength of schedule, I know all that's going to change it, it, because games are still going on Tuesday evening, Tuesday evening, and Wednesday evening. So that's going to change. But the strength of schedule jumping all the way up to 157 after the Western game—that's big because—and I know that's not great, but before the Georgia Tech series, so four games ago. Louisville's strength of schedule was sitting at 251. So to move up nearly 100 spots in four games, that, that's big time heading into ACC play.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, just to touch on the rankings, last time we talked about rankings, we were anywhere from four down to 16. So it's good to see all the rankings finally start to come together a little bit, always early in the season. There's, there's a pretty pretty wide range that you can see for any given team, uh, I think we're just going to keep moving up. This has been a weird year in college baseball. We've seen a lot of teams at the top who have fallen and taken some bad losses and some bad sweeps even. So if Louisville keeps playing like like we have been, then I think there's no reason
1: why we can't keep climbing. Yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit last time on the podcast, just the, the parity in college baseball this year because of COVID and these you know, players getting extra years. The, these These teams really have – some loaded rosters, and some of them had to transfer down, due the transfer rule to some of the group of five teams. So you're seeing a lot of upsets this year, and it's good to see for the sport. Luckily so far, Louisville has avoided most of them, but we've got a long way to go. (laughs) All right, so
0: we're going to dive in here and recap of what we've missed out on since the last time we recorded Uh, Start with the Moorhead State game midweek a couple weeks ago. Uh, Moorhead State came out looking like the Savannah Bananas. If you saw that game, you saw that they were all yellow. An interesting choice on the field, and uh, the play did not get any better for them either because they ended up taking an 11-1 loss at the hands of the Cardinals. Uh, Big blows at the plate. Isaac Humphrey had his second home run of the year. Haven Mangrum had an RBI triple, which put the dagger in the Eagles. Uh, scoreless work on the mound came from Cade Grundy, Caleb Corbett, Patrick Forbes, Will Coger, Riley Phillips, and Tucker Biven. So as we've seen in pretty much every midweek game so far, it's all hands on deck. Cade Grundy has been getting all the starts in the midweeks. Now that Justin West has gone down injured in that first midweek game. It's been great to see Cade Grundy step up. He had a big summer last year on the Cape. It's now starting to get
1: some really meaningful innings in the midweek and he's really shining that role. Yeah, and I think what we've seen from this, this year and something Dan McDonald's typically done in the past is midweek games typically turn into staff days, which is good because you get exposure from a lot of different arms. So to see that many guys throw in a game against Moorhead, which I know is 11-1 to one game, but just to get them innings, that way you don't throw them out in a situation down the road where they have to get an out and they don't have that experience. So to get them out there now and let them get a little bit more experience before ACC play, I think it's big time and they all kind of stepped up to the plate and responded in a big way against Morehead state who in the past a couple of years ago, Morehead state had one of the better offenses, in the country. So not, not that they are as powerful as they were, but to, you know, come in and beat Morehead state 11 to one, take care of business. That's what you want to see against a team like that.
0: Yeah. I love seeing the freshmen getting the early exposure too. we've seen uh, two way guys, Tucker Biven and Patrick Forbes get the chance to do a little bit of both now and, Tucker Biven especially is really shined out of the bullpen. Watching him uh, do his thing and seeing how he's going to progress, it's going to be really entertaining. And Patrick Forbes isn't quite there yet on the mound, but he's definitely there at the plate. So it's definitely going to be fun to see how, how those guys continue to progress in their careers at Louisville.
1: Yeah, it, I think the, this freshman class, and we've talked about it over and over, and we'll continue to talk about this class for a couple of years, being as highly ranked as they were, you know, top five, top seven in the country. We've seen them produce early and often this year, which has been good to see that they've gotten the exposure and the experience early on in their freshman year. So definitely good to see. We saw them against Dayton in the series following Moorhead State, and that was a really odd series to me. You know, Dayton came in here, one of the worst offenses in the country. I think they were, at the time when they got here, they ranked around 282nd in scoring or something like that. But they came in here like they were the number one team in the country, running all over the field and hollering and, you know, just the way they were acting every time they scored. But Friday night, I mean, they jumped out to 5-0 lead early, scored a couple runs in the first, couple runs in the second inning. Um, but Louisville ended up winning the game 11-7 because they had a, a huge, crooked number, scored nine runs in the fifth inning, pounded out 11 hits that day. And what I thought was impressive about the offense that day, they, they had 11 hits only one of them was an extra base hit. So to be able to manufacture 11 runs off one extra base hit, pretty impressive. That's good stuff. You know, they're, they're playing Dan McDonald, you know, base-to-base small ball, which you, you love to see. Um, Hawks was a little shaky on Friday night, but he settled down, um, ended up improving to 4-0, which is where he sits today. Then Saturday, Louisville picked up the win 6-2. They, again, they fell behind 2-0 in the first inning. Same guy hit a two-run home run to start the game. But that was it for Dayton. They didn't score the rest of the game. So, Louisville won that game 6-2. to two. Uh, JT Benson and Logan Beard each hit a home run in that game. Greg Frone tossed the first uh, four and two-thirds. And this is one rule that I kind of hate about college baseball. If you don't throw five, you, you don't qualify for a win as your starting pitcher. So, even though he was leading when he got pulled from the game, he threw four and two-thirds, but he didn't get the win. Uh, Will Koger did. Through 4.1 innings um, shut out hitless baseball didn't give up a hit so Coger you, t- you know, we've touched on it he's had a much better season this year and then on Sunday Louisville went for the sweep and completed it uh, taking game three five to one uh, Carson Liggett um, took a ball off his elbow in the second inning it was actually kind of a weird play line drive was hit back up the middle hit elbow or hit Liggett's elbow. Bounced up in the air. Noah Smith caught the line drive. Um, that ball never hit the ground, so he caught it and doubled off the guy at first base to end the inning. And that was all we saw from Carson Liggett. So um, he came back. Good to see him against Georgia Tech. Didn't miss any time. But after that, because of the injury, it was a staff day. So Tucker Bivin came in, Riley Phillips, Caleb Corbett, Caleb Campbell um, finished the game. Benson led the day at the plate with two triples. One was an odd ball that was – hit way up in the air in right field. They misplayed it, but didn't get a glove on it, so it was a hit, and with his speed, he danced all around to third base. Yeah,
0: I think as weird as it might sound, I was glad to see us go down early, because up until that point, we didn't kind of just run right through everybody so far this season, so I think you always want to see how the team is going to respond when they go down early, and when they see that kind of adversity that we haven't seen yet, and I think the response was great. That's exactly what you want them to do, and you were exactly right about Dayton. I don't really know what their issue was. Not only were they getting into it with us, even some of their players were getting into it with their coaches. So that was that was just an odd series, odd team. Um, I don't really know what else to
1: say besides that. Well, their coach argued about every play. And the, both the dugouts got a warning. I think it was on a Saturday game. As um, their pitcher and JT Benson were coming off the field, they got into it. So – I don't know. Dayton acted like they were the best team in the country that afternoon or that whole weekend. And they clearly are not. And they, they went back to Dayton with three losses. So that's all that matters to me.
0: I tell you what, I don't know if you saw that JT Benson grand slam celebration, but that
1: one was definitely personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was a little something extra on that as he crossed home plate. (laughs) Um, I think that was in retaliation to the Dayton pitcher, but it's all in good fun. And then the Louisville bounce back, they won 6-4 to four on elementary school day against Miami. I've never really seen elementary school day. It's just wild. I mean, there's, there was almost 4,000 people in attendance that day. It's an 1130 game. They do this every year. Um, it's a really neat game, I think. Um, but it had almost 4,000 kids there um, for a day game. The kids take a little field trip to Jim Patterson Stadium and and, and enjoy the game there. So it was a it's a neat day every year. I've never personally attended, um, but they do a lot of fun stuff with the kids and activities and games and discounted concessions and things like that for them. So I know it's something that Dan McDonald likes likes to do. Um, but Benson and Brandon Anderson, that each had two hits on the day. Anderson had two RBI. And Cade Grundy, who's kind of settling in as our midweek guy, we saw again against Western, um, picked up his third win of the season. So... Another, another quality win, you know, just taking care of business against teams like this. That's that's the name of the game of the season right now. You know, you these are games that they don't really do you a whole lot of good. If you win them, you know, you're not going to jump up in the RPI. You're not going to jump up in the strength of schedule. But if you take a loss on one of those, it can be really critical to your RPI and strength of schedule. Yeah, for sure. And that, I mean, that's exactly
0: what you wanted to see rolling into ACC play. You know, we took care of business against teams that we were supposed to take care of business of. And, you know, we were flying high heading into the series against Georgia Tech. And this was definitely an interesting series to see, you know, where we're at as a team. I think we're finally starting to see guys take over roles, have more solidified roles on the team. And so Louisville walked away with a 2-1 series win over the Yellow Jackets. 8-7 win on Friday, 10-4 loss on Saturday, and a 9-3 win on Sunday. Friday night, jumped out to an early lead, kind of fell apart. Uh, I believe it's was the fifth inning, a couple costly errors. Uh, really got the Yellow Jackets back in the game. And like I said before, you know, it's good to see. You don't want to see the team go down ever. You like us to always whip up on everybody, but you're going to go down at some point. So Friday started with an 8-7 win over Georgia Tech. Saw the guys go up early, off to a 5-0 lead. Uh, started to unravel a little bit in the fifth inning, a couple costly errors. Ryan Hawks got knocked out of the game, unfortunately not really for his own doing. But we saw the Cardinals battle back. Like I was talking about before, you know, it's good to see the guys overcome adversity and fight back. We went into the eighth inning, down a couple runs, saw the guys put together a couple of scrappy at-bats, eventually tied up the game at seven, which set the table for Jack Payton in the ninth inning to go ahead and hit a walk-off single, send everybody home happy. Uh, Eight-seven win for the Cardinals on Friday. Heading into Saturday, uh, it was ugly early. You know, a couple early home runs for Yellow Jackets, and it felt like they came out and they were – I think they were just more ready to play than we were. I don't think that we had – it was just an off game. I don't really know what else to say other than it was an off game. A couple early home runs. We fought back in the fifth with – I think we had three runs in the fifth, and that was it for us. Uh, got ugly. Later in the game, I think there were a couple guys in there that weren't quite ready for ACC action yet. 10-4 loss ended up being the final score on Saturday – And then, so that's at the table for a rubber match on Sunday. Uh, We rebounded really nicely in the rubber match. It's been really fun to watch Carson Liggett, especially, you know, was a little anxious to see how he would do coming off the, taking that line drive the weekend before Uh, rebounded very nicely, gave up three runs over six. And then the offense just did their thing, put up nine runs, ended up winning the game nine to three, took advantage of a very poor Georgia tech pitching staff. I do think, that Georgia tech team is a very, very good lineup. And if they could just get some pitching to come together, I think that's, that's a super regional, or maybe even an Omaha team to come out of the ACC. So to take two or three early in the season uh, as a team that I think we're still kind of searching for a, a few, a few things on this team, trying to figure out where every piece
1: fits. I think that was a great start to ACC play. Yeah. And Aaron and I have talked about this throughout the year is this team continues to find additional ways to win baseball games. You know, we can beat you by scoring a lot of runs. We show that our pitching staff has been able to beat you. So the way that they won the games this weekend is just encouraging as we ramp up our ACC play. And another thing I want to make note of is the rubber match on Sunday. Since joining the ACC, Louisville is now 21-8-1 and one in rubber games of ACC weekends, which is super impressive. And Dan McDonald talks about that quite often. You know, one of the reasons he's been as successful as he's been during his tenure at Louisville is due to the fact that his team just wins games on Sundays. And that, that really sets you apart from your opposition if you can win Sunday games, because a lot of times that's what it comes down to. You know, the games are split on Friday, Saturday, and whoever wins the game on Sunday takes the series. And when you're winning, you know, when you're 21-8-1, and one, you're winning most of those series because of that.
0: I would also like to point out, I saw a couple of people who had asked about it. That If you were watching the Georgia Tech games, that was Zeke Pinkham, former Cardinal over there, coaching first base for Georgia Tech. Uh, so it's nice to have him back in town. Good to see him again. He's doing great things at Georgia Tech and just another branch off the Dan McDonald coaching tree. So I'm excited to see where his
1: career takes him too. Definitely. And he's coaching. You know, he's learning from one of the best right now. Danny Hall, I mean, he's a class act. He's one of the best coaches in the country. He's actually the all-time or the the – winning as active coach in the country. I think he's got around 1,200 victories. So, I mean, the guy's been doing this for a long time, and he's won a lot of baseball games. So, you know, Pinkham's in good hands, and I would love to see him back in the red and black one day. I love the staff we got right now. not wishing them away anywhere. But if uh, if if his path comes back to Louisville, I think everyone here would open, or welcome him with open arms because they loved him when he was here. I definitely agree with that. Then on Tuesday evening, Louisville took on Western Kentucky, who has actually been a lot better this year. You know, they got a new coach this year, Mark Rarden. He came in, he's a Juco guy, brought a lot of dudes with him. Uh, Western was 15 and six coming into the game, one and two in Conference USA. They dropped their series this weekend, first series in conference to Middle Tennessee. And for a good portion of this game, they Kind of gave Western all they wanted until the sixth and seventh when Louisville kind of broke it open. Western actually out hit Louisville 14 to 13, but Louisville won the game 15 to eight. I think the most exciting thing to me and Aaron, we talked about this a little bit ago, was the home run from Will Cook, dead center field, 450 feet off the bat, right to the left of the batter's eye. Will Cook, we've talked about him over and over on this podcast. He just hasn't got the opportunities yet, but I think there's going to be a chance that Cook could squeeze into this lineup as a DH due to the kind of roster movement that we're seeing. Forbes has been the DH. looks like Forbes is starting to transition out to left field, and that's going to open up a spot for Will Cook to be the designated hitter. And he showed tonight that he is very, very capable in taking on that role.
0: I was so happy for Will Cook seeing that performance tonight. Uh, you know, perfect night at the plate, including that home run, which cannot state enough how big that home run was. 450 to center, didn't even see the ball land. So it was awesome to see him hit that for his first career home run. And, you know, I, we talked about it before. You know, he missed last season due to the sh- a shoulder injury that he sustained in the previous fall. And, you know, if it wasn't for that injury, maybe he's the first baseman last year over Ben Bianco. And, you know, it worked out great with Bianco last year, but you never know what would have happened with with Will Cook over there. You know, maybe, you know, different roles happen for McCoy and Cook this year, but I'm super happy to see him come along. And, you know, I think you're exactly right. I do think that
1: there are going to be more opportunities for him moving forward at the DH spot. Yeah, we've talked about this before, and we'll talk about it again, I'm sure, throughout the season, is the – The roster versatility that we have this year, it's unbelievable. They can throw out – I can't tell you how many different lineups. I mean, how how many have we seen already this year in the 20 games that we've played? I feel like we see a new lineup every time they tweet the lineup card out. So to see Cook get that opportunity, and I hope those at-bats for him increase because I think he's going to do a lot of good. I think he brings a lot of power to this lineup, and a lineup that – let's face it, there's a lot of home runs that we need to replace from last season. So to have an extra power bat in the middle of the lineup would go a long way with this group. 100% agree with that. So now that we are done with the Western game this week, we get to jump right back into ACC play this weekend and take on a Notre Dame team that has really been struggling a little bit last year. Aaron, I know you were doing some research on them. What, what can we expect this weekend in South Bend?
0: This is an interesting Notre Dame team, not a Notre Dame team that we're accustomed to seeing. Uh, it's first season at the helm for head coach Sean Stifler for the Irish, uh, takes over for Link Jarrett, who went to Florida State. Uh, so glad we get to see Jarrett still in conference, good coach, and he's doing some good things down at Florida State. Uh, but he took a lot of his guys with him. A lot of starters last year for Notre Dame are now at Florida State. And we see Florida State right back in the top 25, and Notre Dame is – left struggling, you know, right now they are nine and eight and they've got a number of bad losses. They lost two or three to Lipscomb to begin the season. And I think that kind of set the tone just for an ugly rebuilding year for
1: an Irish team that's really looking for an identity right now. Yeah, in there's nothing more than I love than beating Notre Dame, especially after the game up there when they, it was canceled due to wind. And instead of playing the game, Coach McDonald decided to take his team out on the field during game time and practice because they wouldn't play us. So that was – I think that was a couple years ago. And then last year we swept Notre Dame. They were one of the best teams in the country. So, you know, I think we've definitely got our work cut out for us this weekend. Notre Dame doesn't have the record if you look at them on paper. But I think come the end of the year, it's probably going to be a good win if we can win the series. You know, there's not going to be a cakewalk up there. Yeah, they're 10-8 and right now, I believe is what the record is, but they're not going to be a cakewalk. So Louisville's got to bring their A game. Notre Dame can score some runs. So, um, you know, we've got to be prepared. The starting pitching has to go deep this weekend. I don't think we can continue to rely on as many bullpens Bullpen arms as frequently as we have been. We we really need the bullpen, the starting pitching, to step up and you know go six seven innings if possible and save some of those innings.
0: I I do agree with that, and I think you know you and I have talked about it you know last couple of days about this Notre Dame series coming up. Right now, I think it's it's you know you got to take advantage of where they're at right now. You know, at the end of the year, I think that they're going to have it more together. But right now, they don't. Let's just face it; that is not a good ball club right now. They don't really you know, they're looking for an identity. They don't have a lot of pieces where they need to be right now. And we need to take advantage of that. And You know, you never want to set an expectation that we need to take all three on the weekend, but it would be very nice to take all three because, you know, this is a gauntlet of an ACC this year. There are a lot of teams that have stepped up that we didn't really expect to step up and be in the top 25, uh, but they have. And so to take advantage of a series like this would be huge for, for Louisville moving
1: forward. Since we're talking about the ACC, let's kind of run down that real quick. You know, currently Wake Forest sits atop the Atlantic division. They're four and two. Louisville's two and one. They've got the same record except Wake Forest – same percentage. Just Wake Forest has played two series and Louisville's only played one. And then Boston College. Where, where have they come from? I mean, they have been – just come out of nowhere this year. Took two from Florida State down, down in Tallahassee. Um, took two um, from Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. They beat Tennessee in Knoxville. I mean, who is this Boston College team? We've never seen this from them before. You know, I think
0: think this has been a long time coming for Boston College. I think that they have had some really good pieces over the years, some guys that have gone on to have some very successful pro careers, but at a college level, they never really seem to put it all together. And so for them to finally get it all together, it, it's pretty fun to watch for them. You know, now if they can just get two camera angles in Boston, that would be nice. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's
1: good to see. It's good for the conference to, to have Boston College up there too. So that is one good thing that we do get Boston College at home this season because when you watch a game at Boston College, you literally get one angle, and it's pr- right behind home plate up in the press box. And that's what you get. Like if the ball's hit down the left field line or the right field line, you don't know if it's foul, fair. You have no idea where the ball is. Um, Close play at first base, good luck. Just leave it up thumps because you're not going to get to see it. I don't know. I guess if they have different angles that they use for reviews, they just don't allow people watching them on TV to see the angles because you – I mean, you literally get one angle – and that is it. It's like watching a high school baseball game. Somebody set their iPhone up there in the press box, and they're just streaming it live on Facebook. That's what you get the whole entire nine innings. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was just about to say, all due respect to Boston College, but I've seen better production
0: from high school baseball games.
1: And and kudos to them. I mean, their RPI is up to seven right now. They're getting some love. They're in the top 25 in most of the polls this week. I mean, they are – they're balling out this year. We haven't seen this from a Boston College team. And with the gauntlet of the ACC that we're already seeing, the last thing we need is another team like Boston College to step up that we've got on the schedule this year. Although I I love the competition. You know, I'd I'd rather play, you know, games like that and against some tougher opponents than – some of the, you know, the weaker ones that we'd see at home. So I'm okay with that. It's good college baseball and they're at Jim Patterson Stadium this year. So getting to see another quality opponent, I'm all in favor of that. Uh, Real quick, moving back to Wake Forest. I know that there's
0: been a lot of talk about, about them. We think that they're legit because, you know, they kind of came out of nowhere with the preseason love, but they've got two really good stars and a lineup that does nothing but hit home runs. So Do we think that that stays together? We think
1: we think that uh,
0: falls apart down the stretch. I
1: mean that team's tough. You know, Rhett Louder, he was the ACC Pitcher of the Year last year, and they've got some bats. And I mean, they can just hit home runs for days in that lineup. Um, That that's one team that definitely worries me. They're nineteen and three right now, four and two in conference. Actually, I think they beat Elon twenty to nothing this week. Uh, and that, that's just what they're doing to teams uh, on the regular. You know, they've, they've played Duke and Notre Dame in conference. They won both series two to one. So they haven't got a sweep yet, which bodes well um, for us. So hopefully Notre Dame, you know, hopefully we can go up there and get a couple from them. But I think at this point in the season, I haven't seen anything from Wake Forest that tells me that they're not going to be a team that could – and we could see them in a ho- Omaha and, and beyond that. I think they're a team that can win the whole thing this year.
0: That's that's very high praise. I didn't, you know, I think in the preseason saw them rank so high. I was like, you know, where do they come from? But you know, they kudos to them. They've put it all together. They got they got studs up and down the lineup. And I know that they come to Jim Patterson in a few weeks, so I'm definitely excited for that. You know, I think we're gonna have a slug
1: fest all weekend. That is going to be an exciting series. Let's see, when is that when that is April 14th, 15th, and 16th, and and I mean that has a potential to be two top five teams at Jim Patterson Stadium. We probably haven't seen that in a while, so hopefully the weather's nice and that place is rocking because Nick Kurtz, Brock Wilkin, I mean, those dudes, Adam Ciceri, I mean, those dudes can just pound the ball. Our pitching staff, um, you know, they better be on their A game that weekend, which I have no doubt that they will with Roger Williams in the dugout. But that has the potential to be, I mean, one of the most fun weekends I think that we've ever had at Jim Patterson Stadium outside of, you know, super regional experiences that we've seen there. You know, some of those super, I've been to a game at Jim Patterson Stadium. I think we had roughly 7,000 people for a super regional, and the atmosphere was just electric. I'm not saying we're going to see that in a you know regular season series with Blake Forest, but if you've got two top five teams in there, I don't see any reason that we're, we shouldn't get you know 5,000 fans in there every game that weekend.
0: I know uh, we've made a habit of coming up with some marketing ideas on the third and central podcast, and up until this point, they have not taken any of our suggestions yet. However, if there's somebody listening that can make elementary school days all that weekend, you get four thousand screaming kids in there every day.
1: That would be awesome. Let's let's do it again. Yeah, and and Wake Forest would want no part of that, so oh. I'm a okay with it. <laughs> so to backtrack a little bit, like we said, uh, Louisville currently is eighteen and two. Played one conference series against Georgia Tech. Heading to Notre Dame this weekend. Twenty games into the season. I got to ask you. So far, a couple superlatives from you. Who's your MVP on both the mound and who's your offensive MVP through 20 games? All right. So on the mound, I'm going to
0: take Carson Liggett. Carson 4-0, ERA of 1.75. He's thrown 25 and two thirds innings. He's struck out 27 guys. I think this is something that we all kind of saw coming. We hoped that he would take that step forward. We talked about it in preseason. He had a nice summer on the Cape last year, and it's definitely translated to the regular season. And I'm super excited to see how he's progressed. You know, I don't think that the stuff is incredibly overwhelming, but the dude just knows how to pitch. And so it's been super fun to just, just see how he's progressed. And I have no doubt that, you know, even down the stretch to this season and definitely next season. He's definitely in contention as a Friday night guy. And then on the offensive side, I got to go with Jack Payton. Definitely the most consistent hitter in the lineup. He's already got four home runs this year, which ties his career high. He's batted over 400 since February 25th. Average has not dipped down to 399 in over a month or about a month. And 10 of his last 13 games have been multi-hit games. The dude – is just an on base machine. He d- does anything that he can to get on base. He's a big doubles guy, and he just knows how to hit. I'm super excited to to see him keep this going. And you know, he had over 350 last year, and to even think that he's going to do a lot better than that this year and add in some more power
1: is pretty crazy. I hate to be this guy, but I'm gonna have to go the same pitcher as you with Carson Liggett. He's just been unbelievable this year so far. You know, in a a staff that really needed somebody to step up, needed an extra weekend arm. Liggett's been the guy, and he's just been the anchor of our weekend. Like you said, he's 4-0, 175 ERA, a whip of 1.01. He's just controlling the game. Um, had a We've talked about it, but he had a complete game shutout against Michigan. He was the NCBWA Pitcher of the Week that week for his performance. And, you know, if he keeps it up, like you said, I mean, Liggett is a guy that next year could be line for our Friday night guy. So I'm just excited about what he's brought this season. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I held my breath when he took that ball off his elbow against Dayton. And I was like, that's the last thing we need. The way he's thrown in his first couple outings, we need Liggett in the weekend rotation. So to see him bounce back against Georgia Tech was very encouraging to see. On the offensive side, I'm going to go with J.T. Benson, who has completely transformed into a different player as of lately. He's batting 422 right now, which is second on the team. OPS of 1275, best on the team. Nine extra base hits, which is second on the team. Um, mind you, he's second on the team in average. And extra base hits to Jack Payton. Um, 15 RBIs, and he's slugging 756 which is the highest on the team. And to see JT Benson, a local product from right here in Oldham County, it's huge to see him step up like this. You know, I I love these Kentucky guys that step up and produce the way they do. It just goes to show that it doesn't matter where you play high school ball, you can compete at this level. So glad to see Benson stepping up and really cementing himself as one of the everyday starters in the outfield. Because entering this season, we had, you know, what, five guys, six guys competing for three spots? And I think at this point in time, I mean, Benson is basically one of the guys that you can't take out of the lineup. So he's he, he's going to be one of the guys for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, um, I think it's safe to say that he's definitely the most improved player the, of the team this year. Last year at two twenty four, with one home run and 10 RBIs. Uh, He was the opening day left fielder last year, which has been talked about on the game broadcasts a lot, but fought the injury bug last year and didn't play summer ball, but came back in the fall really healthy. And you're exactly right. He transformed himself into a really great hitter. And it's it's awesome to
1: see a local guy step up like this. I do want to give a couple honorable mentions because I think these guys, sometimes the work as a middle reliever goes unnoticed and they have stepped up from last year in a major way. The first one I'm going to talk about is Caleb Corbett. I mean, after what he did his freshman year, he was the dude in the bullpen. You know, he was a closer for a little bit. He was nearly unhittable for his first handful of outings. And this year in six appearances, he's got a 123 ERA. After last year, he posted an 810 ERA. So to do what he's done this year, and just to chew up some of those middle innings, Has been big. He still walked about seven batters. That's got to come down a little bit in seven batters and seven innings. That's got to um, improve. But getting that ERA down from 810 to 1.2 is massive. Second, I want to touch on Will Coger. You know, last year as a freshman, he was thrown in a lot of situations that he probably shouldn't have been thrown into, let's be honest, because the bullpen – they had their bumps in the road last year. We'll just leave it at that. So we, we had to throw Coger out there because we really didn't have a whole lot of options at times. Koger posted a 12 ERA in his freshman season. That's easy to get discouraged. But what he do? He went up to the Cape this year, got better, worked on his craft. He's come back. He now has a 2.35 ERA in seven appearances, and that's in 15 innings. Um, And last year, a big issue was his was walks. And he struck out 18 and walked seven in 15 innings of work. So, uh, major kudos to Will Coger for really working his butt off in the offseason. And then one more honorable mention I want to give is Evan Webster. I mean, that dude, he just – I swear he pitches in every single game. Um, He's thrown seven games – seven of our 20 games he's appeared in this year. Um, He's got a 2.08 ERA. Um, 13 innings pitched, and uh, every time he's thrown out there, it's a bad situation. You know, they never put Webster out there with a five-run lead in the eighth inning. You know, every time Webster pitches, it's where we're up five to four bases are loaded and there's no outs. And here, here, take the ball and go figure this thing out for us. And typically, he's done that. Um, last year, I think he led the team in appearances, and he's leading the team this year, with Koger this year. Um, so just to see those three guys step up and produce the way they have after having you know, a lackluster year last year is very encouraging for a bullpen that needed a couple extra arms to step up this year.
0: Yeah, I think you're definitely right. It's not very sexy to be a middle reliever all the time. I'm glad that... Glad that we, you know, we're able to give those guys their due because they definitely worked their tails off in the off season and it's definitely paying dividends. And I also want to touch on uh, Will Coger real quick. You know, it's only twenty games into the twenty twenty three season, but and I don't want to, you know, look too far ahead or anything. But I definitely think that he's a guy that could start for us next year too in that weekend rotation. We've seen him stretched out a lot already. He did start a couple games last year too. I definitely think that he has a future in our weekend rotation
1: as well. Yeah, I think Koger is definitely a guy that could be a starter down the road. And if you look at some of these draft, mock drafts down the road, they've got Koger pretty high. Aaron, I know you can probably touch on that a lot more than I can because that that's your thing. That's what you do. But, I mean, some of these mock drafts have have him as a pretty high draft guy next year.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, Koger has always been somebody that has had a lot of potential. And we didn't really see that potential for his freshman year last year. Um, you know, and, you know, I think that the sky's the limit for Will Coger. That is a guy who, you know, looking ahead the next year, he's projected probably like probably second round at the moment. And a lot of things can change between now and, and the draft next year. You, you might be looking at a first
1: round talent. I think especially if he can show that he can be a starter, I, I think his, his draft, draft stock will continue even skyrocket beyond that. Yeah,
0: for sure. I think – I do think that he is slated to go back to the Cape this summer as well. And he keeps performing like he did in the Cape Cod League and and his numbers keep getting better. And, you know, he's going to continue to fill out too. He's, you know, just going to get bigger and stronger. I do think that there's more room for him to, you know, gain some velocity as well. So very high on Will Coger and I can't wait to see uh, where his career goes.
1: I will say this since we're touching on some of these guys, Evan Webster, I feel like when he graduates – he will be able to immediately get on and apply for his AARP card because I feel like <laughs> that guy has been here for like 15 years, um, but he just continues to work his ass off, and I, I love what he's doing for this team this year. But um, I think this is probably going to be it for Webster. So he's, you know, he's he's improved his craft, and I think he's wanting to this last season um, of college ball for him to last as long as it possibly can. And from what he's doing this year, it's all of his hard work is um, showing off.
0: I'm glad that we have some jerseys for him, too, that he fully buttoned up. We finally found something that fit him.
1: <laughs> and Caleb Corbett, too, finally has hats that fit him, too. Yeah, Corbett's got hats that fit. Um, and then the the Ollie jerseys, though. I don't know what it is with the Ollie jerseys. They just don't button up. It doesn't matter who puts them on. Like the top two or three buttons. I was talking to somebody the other day about this. They, they just can't keep them. Buttoned up. I don't know what it is. I need to get my hands on one of those and see what's going on. <laughs> I know nobody else wants to see that, but i I would I would test it out at the house before and I wore it out in public like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So enough about our MVP through the twenty games this year. Let's jump into a couple areas that we think need improvement. Yeah, Louisville's eighteen and two, so it's easy to look at the roster and look at the schedule and say. This team's ranked, you know, anywhere between two and six in the country. They're 18 and two. They're heading to South Bend this weekend against the Notre Dame team that struggled this weekend. It may sound silly that there's probably some areas that this team really needs to work on. What what do you see when you watch this team through the first 20 games that you think they could even get better at, even with the numbers they've put up this year?
0: I think the first one to me that's just really glaringly obvious and I do think that it has gotten better over the last five or so games has been the base running yeah there I think this I think this happens a lot of years too at the beginning of the season I think that you know we've always been known as a really good base running team while we are always going to lead the ACC and stolen bases I think that there are a lot of guys that just try to force the issue and try to do too much on the base paths so always early in the, early in the season I think there's just a lot of base running mistakes. And, you know, it's definitely got to get cleaned up in, in ACC play. And I do think that it is heading in the right direction. You can't see guys get picked off like we've been seeing them get picked off. I think that there have been some some situations, too, where there have been guys that have been running that you, and they get thrown out. and it just makes you scratch your head at, at what was happening there. So I think base running is the biggest thing that that I see that might need improvement with this team.
1: Yeah, I'm- I can second that. You know, the, and Dan McDonald takes a lot of pride in base running. He coaches the base running on this team. and he, he talks about it often, and he's even mentioned this season it's not where it needs to be. That's something we can definitely work on. You know, they, they've stole 38 bases this year in 54 attempts. This team's going to run. They're going to be aggressive, which means this team's going to get thrown out. And that's just – it is what it is. There's nothing wrong with that because they are going to run. But I think you touched on it. It's, it's the time that they do it the situation that they do it and the jump that they get, you know, if you don't get a bad jump, don't, don't steal the base, just go back. You know, you've seen a couple of guys get a bad jump and they continue to go and they get thrown out because of the jump they got from first or second base. We've also seen a couple of guys this year, runners on first and second, you'll see a guy steal third, which is a big thing of Dan McDonald is third base is easier to steal than second. Right. They, he talks about that often. You'll see the guy in second steal third, but the guy in first doesn't move. That's just I, I know they they don't always know that he's going to run, but you know it's kind of frust- frustrating because you're still in a, a double play situation. So I think I think there's just little nitpicky things that this team could be better at that could be the difference of getting to Omaha or not.
0: Yeah, I would also like to say too. There's a few guys on this team that are really fantastic base runners, uh, one of them being Jack Payton. You, you, know, you hit the nail on the head.
1: That, I mean, that dude, he's not the fastest runner by any stretch of imagination, but he can steal bases.
0: Yeah, so I, I was going to say, you know, Jack Payton uh, and Ryan McCoy, too, who, you know, theoretically your catcher and first baseman probably are going to be the slowest two guys in that lineup. But watching those two on the base pads and you know, being able to swipe bases like, like they do
1: was pretty fun to watch. You know, if your catcher 20 games in the season has eight stolen base attempts and he's been successful on six of those, it's pretty damn impressive.
0: Yeah, and that, that's something, too, that we've seen quite often with this Louisville team. You know, a couple years ago we saw Henry Davis do the exact same thing.
1: And I think, you know, to, to expand on that beyond base running right now is defense. And, you know, Louisville – when they go on the road and they're practicing at home, they, they wear shirts that say tour to defense. You know, that's, they take a lot of pride in that. Through Western Kentucky, Louisville's fielding percentage is 977, which is good for about 50th in the country. You know, when you've got somewhere around 300 teams, okay, it doesn't sound terrible, but when your goal is to get to Omaha, you know, you want to be in the top 25. Um, and of the heirs that we've got, 16 of them this year – Christian Nap- K- Napchik has five of them at shortstop himself, so I think that's something that has to improve. If you know, if if we're going to be a serious contender this year and have talks about going back to Omaha,
0: yeah, I, you know, like you said, it's it's hard. You know, eighteen and two to find areas that need improvement, and like you said, fiftieth in the country in, in defense, not terrible in the grand scheme of things, but. You know, just, just to be media members and to be nitpicky, you know, I, I do think that the defense needs to improve, and I will also say that part of it is there are guys that are just shuffling in and out and playing a lot of different positions early on. I think that we'll see that that fielding percentage jump up as, as guys continue to solidify their spots in the lineup, and we see the same group of guys playing in the same spots every day. Uh, but for now, you know, the defense – is a little discouraging, uh, you know, Friday night, especially at, at George, against Georgia Tech, it almost costs us a game. A couple bad errors, you know, knocked Ryan Hawks out of the game and it was looking a little dicey there, but the offense came through and then the bullpen came up, came through late and did their jobs.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing. And you hit the nail on the head talking about, you know, just the, all the movement within the roster and players you know, playing today and off tomorrow and then playing on Sunday. You know, th- so there's there's movement, which that's because of the amount of talent that we have in this roster. There has to be some versatility there. But at some point in the season, this lineup is really going to be kind of set in stone. And then you're going to have your nine guys. It'll change when Peyton's behind the plate or not. And you're going to have a little bit more consistency there. And, and that that number will increase. But we have to find ways that we can improve all the time. Right. That's what yeah, so the media does. That's <laughs> right. So, but anyways, Car- uh, Louisville's 18 and two heading into South Bend this weekend. Big opportunity. I mean, if they can pick up two or three wins and come back to Louisville with um, a couple more ACC wins. And then we welcome, uh, I'm sorry, we actually go on the road to play Cincinnati. And then we go on the road again the following weekend to play north carolina state so the next seven games are away from jim patterson stadium and these are the first true road games of the whole season you know we played down in houston and a couple of the games might as well have been on the road because they were against texas a&m and tcu but we have not played a true road game until now and we've got seven in a row road warrior mentality right that's right. And in your North Carolina State, they've been hot and cold. You don't know who you're going to get with them. So, if we can pick up a couple of games from Notre Dame, pick up a couple of North Carolina State, we'll be sitting really pretty after three ACC series.
0: I don't know about you with that NC State team. it kind of reminds me of Georgia Tech. I think they got all the right pieces in the lineup. Yeah, pitching is a little suspect. And like you said, you don't know what you're going to get with NC State.
1: And it's always a tough place to play, too. You know Elliot Avin, he's a heck of a coach down there. Again, I've got a hilarious story that I talk about every year about him, and I'll tell that when we get closer to the NC State um, series. But you know, it's a tough place to play. He's a good coach, and they, I feel like their bullpen is always endless. I feel like they just have they just have a arm factory down there, and they just they just print them out. So you know, hopefully Louisville goes down there and takes care of business. But we will certainly talk about that next week. So to wrap things up tonight, Aaron, I am. I'm going to kick it over to you to talk a little bit about pro ball. I know there's a lot going on. We've had World Baseball Classic, Will Smith's been involved in. I guess we're probably what a week away from major league baseball starting. So I know this is where you shine. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you and let you do your thing.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, we're wrapping up the World Baseball Classic championship game is taking place right now as we're recording uh will smith has been playing for team usa he hit a home run uh in pool play uh been a little quiet at the plate otherwise had a couple doubles and a couple base hits but he's been splitting time with jt real muto so it's a pretty good tandem right there for team usa and then uh glenn albanese has also participated in the world baseball classic he pitched an inning for team italy in pool play against panama he threw a a, a scoreless ninth inning against panama and they eventually lost to what's looking like going to be the champion, Japan. And you're exactly right, too. Uh, major League Baseball about a week away from starting. So spring training is starting to wind down. We're starting to see guys who can make make the big league team. Uh, there have been a number of non-roster invitees that have really impressed their major league organizations. Uh, I think that Cade McClure, Brian Hoeing, Devin Mann, and Nick Birdie, all have a chance to to make their rosters and i tell you what i am very very excited about nick birdie he has looked fantastic in spring training with the cubs he was a rule five pick from the padres he has not pitched in a big league game since 2020 he has been fighting the injury bug and there was a really cool story that came out about him too he was asked why he wanted to you know keep going and he said you know one day i want to tell my daughter that I did – I chased my dreams for as long as I could. And I think that he is on the verge of of being back in the big leagues because he has looked absolutely
1: disgusting for the Cubs out of the bullpen in spring. Nick Birdie, he's probably one of my favorite Cardinals of all time. I think he, he was really excited, both the Birdie kids. You know, their time here at Louisville. Loved watching both of them play. You know, the adrenaline of them coming out of the bullpen. They played in some of the biggest games in Louisville baseball history. So just, you know, seeing them, just their their run to the bullpen, it wasn't like Mario or Rivera or anything like that. But, you know, at our our small-scale Jim Patterson Stadium, it didn't get any better than seeing those two guys run down out of the bullpen in a tight game. So super excited for them. Um, Brian Hoeing, hope he gets called back up again this year. We had Hoeing on the podcast last year. So super excited about him and all the former cards. How many are we up to now? 50? about 51 to start 51. the season is what it looks like and so 51 former cards you know in uh, professional baseball so just you know keeping up with all them and seeing how they progress in their careers and you know chasing their dreams like you talked about Bertie, of getting back to the big leagues um, it's just a lot of fun to watch and glad that you keep me informed and let me know where everyone is I'm, I'm
0: very excited for the season. You know, it's been a long off season. I'm ready to not get any sleep anymore watching all the minor league games, but I'm sorry to see our guys uh, perform. I think it's going to be a big year for the pro guys. I think we're going to see a lot of guys who make their major league debuts. You might be looking at four or five guys who come up for the first time this year. And I think one guy that I haven't mentioned yet, Bobby Miller, didn't really get uh, any mound time in spring training. Dodgers kind of want to bring him along. Slowly, in case you know they need him down the stretch in, in September out of the bullpen, or need him to take meaningful starts. But he will
1: be up sooner rather than later this year. Really excited for Bobby Miller too. Uh, that dude just—I love watching him pitch, um, and he's got electric stuff. I'm honestly surprised he hasn't been called up yet already. Uh, if he played for anybody else besides the Dodgers, he would have. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. He's just—he's just—he's stuck behind a boatload of talent, but he'll—he'll he'll definitely get there because he's got—he's got the stuff to do it. Well, I think that is all we've got for you all tonight as we wrap up this episode as we head to South Bend at 18 and two. Uh, Louisville's ranked anywhere from second to sixth in the country. A lot of upside right now, and the scary thing about this team is I don't think they're as good as they can be. You know, it's you know not when we talk about areas that they need improvement. It's not that they're they're not that they're not a good baseball team. Gosh, they're 18 and two and they're you know one of the top ranked teams in the country. I think that's a testament to how good they can be, which is really exciting for me and for you and for Louisville fans. But that's probably a scary thing for the rest of the ACC and the rest of the country. Because if this team does continue to get better, like Dan McDonald teams have done in the past, I, I think that I think Omaha is a realistic expectation for this team. Oh, 100%. 100%. I'll
0: be seeing you in Omaha in June.
1: Aaron I keep talking about it. If, if they go to Omaha – you will see the third and central podcast in Omaha this summer. You can book it right now. So I think that is all we've got for you, Aaron. I know we can listen to you on third and central podcast. Where can we find all your written work?
0: Uh, you can find my written work on the state of Louisville and you can find me on Twitter at AJ turn two, two or you can follow the alumni account at Louisville baseball alumni report.
1: And you can find me on Twitter at Matt Sefkovic and on cardchronicle.com. In the words of Sean Moth, we will see you at the ballpark.